Welcome to the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast with me, Christine Cohen. Every week, we will share conversations with humans whose lives have been transformed by the power of movement on their mental health, break down the latest neuroscience, and hopefully inspire you to wake up your inner warrior to fight for the best versions of you every single day. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you with Amy today. Before we go there, I want to tell you a quick story. So I got back from a road trip out west with my sister and brother-in-law and my best friend and her husband a few weeks ago. We spent 11 days traveling through a bunch of national parks, starting in Montana, going through Yellowstone and Grand Teton, Zion, and we ended up in San Diego. It was amazing and definitely a top five trip of all time for me. It's actually hard to pick a favorite moment, but spending three nights after dinner lying outside under the night sky that was full of stars that were just seeming to leap out at us, the Milky Way weaving itself through the sky. I think we saw at least five shooting stars every night. It was just incredible. But coming home was a much bigger adjustment than I thought. It took me a solid two weeks to really feel like myself, and I Even then, I was struggling to wake up back at my normal time of 6 a.m. I'm pretty sure I was hitting snooze in my sleep, actually. My sacred morning routine, the time of day that is just for me to pour into myself and do what aligns me and makes me feel my best for the day so that I can give and pour out to others, was shot. And I wanted to do something about it because, honestly, I noticed my mental health and my energy are thrown off when I'm not getting that morning time in for me. So I asked you guys if you wanted to do something with me and you said, yeah, so this is what we're gonna do. The entire month of August, we're doing a morning routine challenge together in the warrior team. If you wanna start waking up early so that you can start to do those things that you keep saying you wanna start your day doing, but you have not, this is the time to do it. Just think about starting September, which I actually still think of as back to school month, even though I'm not in school, nor do I have kids, but I still go to Staples and get markers. You know I do. Um, But think about how good it will feel starting September already in a great morning routine. So in the program every week, I'm going to do a live video chat on Facebook, just setting us up for the success for the week, creating goals and of course, holding us accountable. Like I am doing this with you, okay? This is something you can participate in even if you already have your own workout routine, but you need the extra kick in the pants to just freaking wake up and do it. But of course, there will be a new 22 minute warrior workout every day to get you up and moving without having to find your own workout every day. And there are workouts for every entry level, beginner to advance, and there will be a lot more as well. A lot more mindset stuff, a lot more internal, just challenging yourself to step up and really take care of yourself so that you can continue to level up in all the areas of your life that are important to you, as well as truly care for your mental health. If you want to join, click the link in the show notes or go to wakeupyourwarrior.com slash morning routine. You don't even have to wait until the first of the month. You can join now or anytime in August. So... On that note, let's get into the show. I met Amy White over the internet a few months ago when she reached out offering to be a guest on the podcast and we got to chatting and I immediately was drawn in by her energy. Amy is a board certified holistic nutritionist and wellness coach who helps her clients reconnect with their body so they can feel confident knowing how to eat and live for the body and health they want. Even though she was active most of her life, starting by lifting weights back in 1986 as the only girl in the weight room, she remembers a period of her life feeling down and hopeless in her late 30s when she realized she lost herself somewhere between marriage and being the mom of preteens. So we get into what this was like for her, how she found her way back to exercise, and fell in love with strength and conditioning at 50. We also get into how this time was a catalyst for her going back to get her master's in nutrition and how she created her signature program, Healthy You. Amy believes now at 54 
that she's in the best shape of her life and the strongest she's ever been. She wants to help people to stop feeling like their best years are behind them and recognize their power. Please welcome Amy White. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for being here and doing this show with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, so I like to dive right in and I want to ask you, what are some of your favorite ways to move your body and why? Um, certainly the easiest thing that I will do on any given day, um, is walk. I will always get a walk in if that's the only thing I can do. If I have more time, I do work out, I do lift weights and I have scheduled days of the week that I do that with a coach. So for the most part, I do that four days a week, but if we're traveling or something's happening and I can't be there, then at the very least I will get a walk-in. And then on top of those two things, we mountain bike. Um, no way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where is it that you live? Where do you go mountain biking? So we live in Northern California and, um, I use the word mountain bike loosely. (laughs) I don't particularly like to do anything too scary. I like riding off road. So that's what I consider mountain biking. So anything that's on a trail, that's dirt, you know, it can be climbing, you know, whatever it is, but as long as it's not like super scary, like on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Well, no, we do go up edges of cliffs, but it's it's wide, (laughs) but I've done This is a relative perspective of what's scary. So off road (laughs) is what I like to do. Road, road riding is so boring to me. So boring. Really? Oh, I hate it. It's just boring. You put me on a trail and I can go for hours. Um, but the road is boring. So, cause my husband's a big cyclist. So I try to ride with him, but I'm just like, I can't, this is so boring. So as long as we're mountain biking or we're in the woods on a trail. So we have a cottage up near, um, it's in Plumas National Forest, which is near Tahoe, which is what everybody knows. And so we live, our cottage is up on a mountain, but you can ride around the peak of the mountain. So that's one of the rides. Oh, wow. We do. Yeah. We didn't quite make it the last time because we were almost to where you turn to go around and this gigantic bear ran across our, our path. And so my husband was like, we should turn around. And I was like, why? He went that way. We're going this way. He's like, we should totally turn around. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But I I see which one is the more adventurous. Well, no, no. Typically, I would be the one to turn around. So I don't know. I have no idea why that day, probably because I was making it. I was like, we're going to do this. I feel good. And then he wanted to turn around. And I'm like, "Ah." but it was probably the right thing to do. That sounds amazing. So two things. I am about to leave for a road trip out west. We're hitting a bunch of national parks down from Yellowstone into Grand Teton, Zion. I'm really excited because I've never been to any of these. And it's one of my dreams to go to every national park in the U.S. Where you live is to me is like a dream just because it's just like right outside of your door. And um, I feel like bears are coming up in conversation a lot this week. Yes. (laughs) I hope that's not... I hope it's just more of a warning, like just keep your eyes open Yeah. instead of um, you're going to have to actually face that animal. And then secondly, so I got into cycling, road cycling just a couple of years ago, and I only really find it exciting because I use it to explore. I use it to explore like neighborhoods or new areas, but otherwise I think I would find it quite boring. Um, My dad does both road biking and mountain biking. And I, I haven't dared to go into the mountain biking side of things yet, but he definitely inspires me. There's definitely levels. And when we first tried it, you know, when we first sort of started getting going, we, up where our cottages, everything is like a advanced trail. So we just were like, ah, you know, so we tried it. My husband crashed, had to go to the emergency room you know, then you have to get shipped to the big uh, hospital in Reno and, you know, neck brace, the whole, it was bad. They were doing brain scans and it was just like, there was a, tr- actually his brakes failed is what happened. Um, but so that was like, you know, why are we doing this? We did, this is not what we want to do. We don't have to be extreme. We just want to be in the woods. We want to be on the dirt, you know? And so that's when we were like, okay. And also you don't have to go fast. <laughs> if you can like, you know, reel your ego in and just be like, Hey, I'm having a good time. I don't have to go fast. Then you really can control it. And uh, it's just so fun. I just really, what do you think it is about moving outside, like moving your body, cycling or 
outside versus do weight training in the gym for you? Um, if I had to pick, interestingly enough, I would always pick weight training over anything else. So isn't that Tell funny? Because it is inside, but I, um, I guess to me, the weight training is, it's more focused intention, like I'm more intense about it. Whereas when I'm outside walking, you know, and I'll do walk runs, I used to run and riding that to me is more like for fun. If that makes more sense. I'm not even thinking about it as exercise, really. It's just something that I'm doing because I want to move and it's fun. And like you said, exploring for sure. And, but I do that with walking. Like I, we always go down into neighborhoods and we go places, but yeah. So that's so interesting. It's definitely relaxing. I'm a huge proponent of sleep for my clients. Like, I don't care who you are, where you're coming from. We're going to focus on sleep. And so one of the most important things you can do is get outside in the morning sun between 6.30 and 8.30 a.m. with your eyeballs, no sunglasses. So to me, that's like, if I'm going to get out for a walk, it's going to be, you know, as soon as I get out of bed and I can get out there. So I don't know. I think outside it's relaxing. To me, it's just fun. It's like playing like I was a kid. Yes. That's actually one of the things I speak about often. And I read this book called The Joy of Movement a couple of years ago by Dr. Kelly McGonigal, which is fantastic. And I loved how she put it because different types of movement, different types of exercise, whatever, really does tap into different parts of you, different versions of you. And it Mm -hmm. allows like that to be expressed. And so when you're moving your body, when you're lifting, like, what are you expressing versus when you're playing outdoors, right? Like it's different. I feel like when I lift, I am like tapping into my inner power, you know, my strength. I'm like, I can do anything. I'm a total badass. You know, I can totally do this and I'm strong. I'm stronger at 54 than I was when I was 40. You know what I mean? It's just, and it makes me feel stronger and it makes me more uh, motivated to do more. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to be stronger next year than I am this year. Um, but I've gotten smarter. So I, I started with my strength and conditioning coach who's a powerlifting coach when I turned 50. Yeah. What made you do that at 50? Well, so I've always lifted weights. So I started when I was 18 and then in college, I was like the only girl in the weight room. And then remember this is mid eighties. So the weight room was like this dirty space in this gym. It wasn't like the stuff kids have now. I'm so jealous. It was like, you know, had a couple of Nautilus machines, really old ones, you know, but I was the only girl in there, but it was like, you know, and I wasn't doing anything extreme. I was just like moving some weights around. So I've always sort of come back to that because it's always what's made me feel the best. And so even in college, I struggled. I'm like, I should be running. Everybody runs. I should be swimming. Everyone's swimming. Oh, I should do those aerobics classes. And I did, but I always end up back in the weight room because I just hate, I just really didn't like it. I don't like cardio. Um, and, (laughs) And so over time, as my life progressed, I was able to sort of continue to do that. Even after I had kids, I would, you know, doing it here and there. And then I hit this phase in my life where I was not comfortable with me. I was like, I don't even know who this person is. You know, I see this a lot too with my clients and patients is they get to a place where they just don't really recognize themselves. And that was me, but it was, it was really, I can kind of take it right back to that when I was 37. So at that point I was a wife, I was a mom, my kids were preteens and the last, you know, 10 years had been all about that. I had stopped working because I was just with the kids back and forth to school, all this stuff. And somehow I kind of lost me in the process and the exercise sort of slid off as well because I was running around with my kids, right? I was exercising. I was busy. And then I realized that I just, my clothes didn't fit. Everything hurt. I couldn't get out of bed without walking like a duck. Um, I was cranky. It was just bad. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong. But as a nutritionist, I wasn't at that point. So that was a progression in my life where I ended up going to nutrition school and kind of figuring things out. And during that time, I also got reacquainted with exercising again. And actually, I remember this moment when I was in that place and I was just like, I'm not even exercising. What is wrong with me? Who's this person? And I went, but you're supposed to do stuff that you enjoy. And so at that point I decided, oh, I'm going to start playing tennis because I used to play on the tennis team. I'm, I, I like to play tennis. 
So I had shifted all of my exercise now into tennis. So I've mm. become this cardio person again. And it, while it was fun, it did nothing for my body. Like it didn't shift anything. I was still not really happy. I was still, you know, overweight. I was still, nothing was I'm moody, you know, the whole bit. It didn't um, really do anything for your mental health either. No, tennis. no. Well, I was enjoying myself. I was meeting new people, but overall I didn't know. I didn't feel like I was shifting in the right way. I felt like maybe I was standing still, which is better than going, you know, the wrong way. So then, so I'm from New England. I, before we started talking, we were talking, or at the beginning, we were talking, I, I'm from Northern California, but I'm from New England. Then we lived in Chicago for a bit and I was playing tennis there. And then we moved to Northern California. So I've been here for seven years. And um, then everything stopped when I moved here. No more tennis. I started working more. I was, I now consult with a local doctor as a nutritionist. Um, so that was kind of taking priority. And I was trying to exercise, but it just wasn't, it was okay. It was, I was doing okay. It was better than I had been because I actually got my food and that stuff figured out. But I still was like, my body's, I'm getting older and I don't, I'm not okay with my body shifting the way it was. So I had a patient and he was talking about powerlifting. And I'm like, tell me, tell me about that. And so he did. And I'm like, that's what I like to do. I didn't know it had a name. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you should call my coach. And I'm like, I'm totally going to do that. So he told me where the gym was. So I went and it's just this garage thing, right? And there's no yep. signs and there's a door. And I was just like, oh, so I opened the door and I'm like, there's these two guys in there. This one guy's on this machine and this other burly guy is sitting on a couch. And I'm like, and they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, hi. So-and-so told me, uh, is this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, so, so-and-so, I'm in, I'm in my Lululemon, you know, pants. And, right. And, and they're like, who's he, this? She yeah. walked in the wrong place. Right. And so I said, he told me I should come by. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, I don't know if I have time for you on my schedule. And I'm like, oh, I, okay. I just thought I'd check. And uh, he's like, well, what do you know? So we chatted. And turns out the guy that was there working out, um, we had a mutual friend. So I wasn't some totally crazy person. Um, so he's like, oh, all right. And so then I was like, okay, well, call me if you think you can fit me in. So I left and I was walking to my car and my phone rang. He's like, so how about, uh, let's start with Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I'm like, okay. So anyway, and since then he has a ton of women now working out there and he's moved spaces and has a much bigger space. And so I sort of feel like I kind of opened the door a little bit going, you know, yeah, come we, we want to work in. out come too. On. Yeah. And after I was there for a year and then my husband joined and then my daughter joined and my daughter was powerlifting. Like she was like going to meets and is amazing. But interestingly enough, it's during COVID, I didn't go for a whole year and I was able to sort of maintain my strength and do stuff at home. Wasn't as fun, but I learned that, you know, I am getting older and while I feel like I'm aging well, and I do intend to be even better next year than I am this year. I don't know that my body really needs to put a huge barbell on my shoulders and do a lot of spine compression. I don't know that I need to do like deadlifting to try to like go to a meet. No. So I learned that I, I do want to continue work out. I want to build muscle and all that, but I don't need to power lift. So that was a good and, and he's adapted his program so that he's got people that are now training as power lifters. He's got people that are training, you know, firefighters, police officers. Then he's got a group that's kind of doing more bodybuilding now because we mm -hmm. aren't really interested and in, we're older and we don't want that spine compression. So it's been great. And so that's where I'm at now, which is so awesome. I can see how empowered you get and you just light up when you talk about it. Mm. Um, and I can totally resonate because that's how I feel when I lift, when I'm pushing my body and I'm challenging myself to do something that my mind is telling me, you can't do this. And then you do it. And then you think, oh my gosh, what else can I do? What else is possible for me that I didn't think was possible? Right. So what do you feel is the thing it's not necessarily like I have to lift all the weight, but there's something about it that um, really fills you. 
If you had to put it into a couple words, what would that be? Like me, stepping into that gym. Yeah. Yeah. The, I will go back to this. Uh, Cause so now I work out Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays with him. And I very rarely miss a day. Like it's like incredibly consistent for me. And I will get up and just not have, like I got up Monday, had no energy. And I was just like, I'm going. And if I can't lift one weight, I'm still going. I'm still going to get through everything that's programmed, but I'll just do it without weights. I was like, I don't care. I'm going. So to me, it's this moment in time where I have actually fully committed to something. Like I can always, if I'm like trying to understand what's commitment to me, I'm like, I can tell you, I know what commitment is to me. It's this thing. And it makes me, like you said, so much better at other things. And then being able to recognize how I can commit fully to other things. But being able to go, and I said this to him on Monday, I was like, I was, this is, I whined the entire time. And I'm like, but I'm here, I did it, and now I'm done. And it has set my entire day up. Every single day that I go to the gym, it sets my day up for success. Like I am way more productive. I'm organized. It's amazing. It's really interesting. It absolutely is. And I love what you said about the commitment to your word and to going, but what, and what you do when you're there, you figure that out when you're there. What we feel as our best or what we think is our best every single day changes. Sometimes our best is all the way up here. And sometimes our best is down here, depending on the day. But I like to share with the warrior team, just bring whatever your best is today. Exactly. Show up, move your body. Don't, you don't have to lift a weight, but move, do it for that. Because even how much better you feel because you did what you said you were going to do and then move on leaves you with such a different energy versus I gave up on myself today. Yeah. Well, I've recently been pestering my group with this idea of attachment versus commitment to goals. Mm. Tell me more about that. When you're attached, you're letting the goal or the success or failure of reaching that goal mean something about you. It's very personal. In fact, what you do either fail or succeed as you proceed to that goal is you collecting evidence to support something that you believe about yourself. So let's say somebody's trying to diet or they're trying to lose weight um, and they just are, you know, it's hard to kind of give a specific example, but they're totally attached to this idea of having to lose 10 pounds. And if they don't lose 10 pounds, then they're a huge loser. They have no willpower. Nothing ever works for them. It's all about them. Like they've made this goal something that's going to prove something about them. It's, you know, good or bad. And when we're attached to a goal, it's really hard actually to fully succeed because there's so many reasons why you can quit. Like, cause you're collecting evidence. Well, I have no willpower, so I'm never going to make it. So I might as well just eat those potato chips. You know what I mean? So you're letting this build up. Whereas when you're committed to a goal, when it's a commitment versus this attachment, it means nothing about you. You're just collecting data and you are now somebody who just figures it out because you're committed. There's no finish line. There's no way you're not going to succeed. It might take you 10 years, but you will succeed because you're going to figure it out every step of the way. And when you fail, it doesn't mean anything about you as a person. It means nothing. You just go, that didn't work. Hmm, I need to evaluate and adjust and figure that out because that certainly isn't going to work for me. So with this commitment for me with the exercise and aging with strength and mobility It's just about, well, what's working for me? Like, for example, you know what? Doing a lot of deadlifts and squats with a really heavy bar, it was working, but then it wasn't working because I was too, my, I hurt. And I'm like, that's not working for me. So guess what? It doesn't mean, oh, I suck because I'm not a power lifter. No, it means, well, guess what? You need to listen to your body and it's important to be comfortable and be able to move, right? I need mobility. So let's do it different. Let's do something else instead you know, we're moving toward the same goal, but I'm just going to do it in a different way. It means nothing about me. So it's really an interesting. I love how you phrase that. I love how you put that because it's true. We do take it so personally when we succeed at something or when we fail at something, but ultimately removing us from the equation and having it just be about this didn't work. That didn't work. This is data at what got me a little bit closer to it. And what didn't? And so 
I find personally that, especially with the things that I am really working on to grow and my personal goals and my personal dreams, that when I do take that separation, when I do take that objectivity, my energy is totally different. And I'm more likely to get right back up and take a step forward versus in the past, I would have stayed down for days and sometimes weeks because I took it so personally on who I am. Right? It's so freeing. It's like so this freeing. amazing thing gets lifted off of you. And so I do a lot, you know, it's a lot of food, nutrition, dieting. People come, they want to lose weight. There's other stuff going on. I like to focus more on wellness, health and overall wellness. Then weight loss follows that, of course. But everybody's like, I but I have to lose weight. And I can tell the people that are attached and the people that have sort of shifted over to this commitment. So the people that are attached are the ones that are like, get on the scale every day and completely freak out, you know, depending on what the number says. Um, They're the ones who are always blaming somebody else. Like, oh, my husband brings this, my favorite cheese. He buys it. He buys it for me. And he knows I don't want to eat it, but he buys it. And then I have to eat it because I don't want him to feel bad. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. So this is something you're making. It mean something about you, right? You're not a good wife. You're not a good, you're not supporting him. I don't know, whatever it is, but no, no, you know, that you just go, you have to say no. And then the people who are committed are the ones who are like, oh my gosh, I went to this wedding and you know what? I ate all the cake and I had the champagne and oh, they had these really amazing potatoes and I don't usually eat potatoes, but I had the potatoes and they're like, it was so delicious and they're good with it. But they're like, and then, you know, Monday, I just like got back on my normal eating and I'm ready to go. And those are the people they're like, because overall, yeah, they want to lose the weight, but guess what? They are sleeping better. They have way more energy. Their knees don't hurt. Their mood is great. And they're able to recognize all this other great stuff that's happening and realize it's just one, it's a huge package. Yes. You really zoom out and you see the full picture versus these really small, narrow individual moments that either make or break what you're going for, which I think is so much healthier as a as a mindset in general. Um, I'd love to switch gears and actually talk a little bit more specifically about what you do professionally. I know you just shared that your own personal journey kind of directed you towards what you do, but yeah, yeah share, share so a little my, bit more about. So the nutrition part actually came about from family health issues. It's not mine, but my daughter had some serious gut issues actually since she was an infant, but I knew nothing. So I thought it was normal. I'm like, oh, everybody pukes like that as a baby. <laughs> It's so amazing how much we accept as normal when it is not normal. It might be common, but it actually is not Not normal normal or okay. Precisely. Everybody who's got heartburn, diarrhea, constipation, gas, they think that's normal. It's not normal. Um, It's common. But my daughter, I mean, I remember she was like eight and the pediatrician was like, well, she just needs to be on an antacid, you know, because she's got this reflex. And I was just like, wow. I didn't know eight-year-olds took antacids. Learn something every day. I know, right? Not like she never ended up taking them. It turns out that she never had reflux. She had, she was gluten intolerant is what her problem was. And um, anyway, it was a long story and people aren't read it. It's on my about page on my website, but my website's thesimplicityofwellness.com, which is, that's what I believe. It's the simplicity of wellness. You just, you have to, like you said, you got to make things simple. It's not that hard. So anyway, we worked out my daughter and got her going and, and I just read and read and read. And I looked at my husband and I said, she was going off to college at this point. And I looked at him and I said, I can't find anything else to read. I'm going to have to enroll in a program because I need a reading list. And he was like, okay. So I started researching RD program, registered dietitian programs and all these programs. And I had learned some things. And as I was looking at those programs and reading the syllabus, I was like, no, this is actually the opposite of what I believe now. So then I discovered this term holistic nutrition and I'm like, Ooh. And so I started digging in and I'm like, this is what I'm looking for. So I found a a school and did a master's uh, program for holistic nutrition and uh, then just ran from there. And in the meantime, figured out what my body needed, what was going on with me as I was transitioning into this sort of middle part of my life. And I always tell everybody, it's a communication issue. It is a communication issue. Food is information. And if you're not 
eating in a way that's telling your body to do the things that you want and expect from it, it's just a communication problem. So you have to actually figure out how food works with your body and then start adjusting your diet. So all of a sudden you're telling your body, yeah, actually, I really want to sleep well. I want great energy. I want a good mood. I really want to live at my healthy body weight. So I want to get rid of this extra weight. You need to tell your body that and you do it with food. So that's what I sort of start with with everybody is let's figure out what's going on with you. Let's figure out how we can start to make adjustments. We don't need to do anything drastic. We like, I like little tiny changes that then build up. I have this one um, client, she started with me last August. So she's coming into a year and she's about down by like 50 pounds, but she never was like, I need to lose 50 pounds. She was always kind of one of those people who was like, I lost a pound. That's so awesome. But she is so funny because she would see all these before and after pictures. I just love this. It's so funny. They did the opposite for her. She would look at those before and after pictures of people and be like, oh my God, I could never do that. That looks so hard. I can't imagine what they had to do to achieve that. I just don't even have the energy to like think about that. And so it worked the opposite for her, but now she's one of those people. I'm like, okay, so now you're the before and after picture. She's like, oh my gosh, you're right. But it was just little tiny changes. She said, but it was so doable. So that's what I do. I, I typically run a group program and I'm now shifting over to what I call my healthy you program. And it's, I'm back to just, I want to do more one-on-one consulting. So that's what I'm starting to do again, which is so fun because when I do one-on-one, it's really fun to be able to drill down and do specific things individually for each person. Cause everyone's a little different and everyone's progress is a little different. And I noticed in the group that sometimes that can be unmotivating for people because they're not moving as quickly as somebody else. And we still are still dealing with some attachment to our goals as opposed to being fully committed. And I also recently, you know, I've learned that I can talk to people and I can tell if they're committed to dive in or if they're still attached. And I'll be like, oh, you know, I don't know if this person's going to do okay because they're really attached. They're not, you know, taking full responsibility to this commitment. And really my job is to help people shift from attachment to commitment. It's not to go, yeah, no, I don't think this is going to work out for us. No, it's like, okay, we're going to need to make this move. And I'm here to help you do that. Um, Because just being attached and then trying to do it on your own is why people cycle and they never succeed because they don't have somebody there to help them make that shift. So there's a lot of coaching that you do on the mindset aspect in addition to the actual, like, okay, this is what we're going to test. This is what we're going to change to balance your body out physiologically. And so your symptoms can start to diminish, which is so cool. And I can already see just by your energy and temperament that you are really, really good at that. It's in the, and it's so funny. You said that about the coaching. Cause I feel like our weekly calls are always like, okay, let's wait. I'm t- I, I feel like I'm always, you know, walking or people back from the cliff. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's focus on all the good things that happened. And then by the end of the call, they're like, oh my God, you're right. You know? And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Because <laughs> it's hard sometimes to see your progress yourself because you get so sucked in there. You're so in the weeds. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't help but focus on the thing that didn't go right. And I'm like, How, let's focus on the 12 things that did go right. And then I feel better. I always feel so empowered and excited by the end of those calls. And as far as I can tell from the, um, what my clients have said, they do too. So that's good. <laughs> you always know you're doing the thing that you're meant to be doing when you're, you're finished for the day and maybe you're tired, but you're like, I feel so fulfilled. Yeah. Well, I get on. So I'll, like, I have a group call with one of my groups today at three 30 and I'll be tired by three 30 and it is all, inevitably that's how I'll feel. And I'll get on that call. And then by four 30, I'm just like, I'll come downstairs and my husband's like, so how'd it go? I'm like, it's great. It's great. We should go for a walk. We should, you know, and I'm just like all fired up. Yeah. (laughs) Totally re-energized. I love it. Can you get into a little bit more detail about how you work with your clients in terms of like trying to get to the root cause of what their symptoms are? Like, what are some of the processes that you do? Do you do a lot of testing? Do you get a lot of just subjective information? How do you, how do you work? So a lot of people in my field, so I'm, I'm a holistic board certified holistic nutritionist, and I'm also a certified functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner. 
So one of the things that I learned during my functional nutrition training was this idea of clearing the muddy waters. So first we want to get everything out of the way that could be likely causing some internal inflammation and causing problems. So I would say, so I think that is this funnel. So you start with really broad strokes at the top. So let's start removing the inflammatory foods. Let's start, you know, I always talk about also there's this spectrum of health. So where are you on the spectrum of health? And then I believe there's this spectrum of dietary principles. And where you fall on the spectrum of health, so for example, let's say someone comes to me and they're pre-diabetic. So they're on a certain end of that spectrum of health. So there's things going on. They may even be on medication. You know, they're probably not sleeping well. They're overweight, you know, whatever. There's a bunch of things going on there. So based on that information, then I look at the spectrum of dietary principles and I'm like, okay, for you, we want to start more over here at this idea of low carb keto. We need to get the sugars out of your diet because you're pre-diabetic. So your body's not using sugar properly. So let's remove, let's take that burden off the body so it can calm down. And in doing that, we also remove a lot of inflammatory foods, things that typically are inflammatory, a lot of the grains, the sugars, dairy, um, soy. So no soy. Yeah. And Dairy for, I don't necessarily start with dairy unless there's autoimmune conditions. Then I'm like, okay, no more dairy. It depends on the person, but I start, so I pull all that out. And more often than not, just that alone has them feeling amazing within a couple of weeks. So if there's an underlying condition, like if there's an autoimmune condition, if there's something more going on there, um, again, it's usually related to gut health and inflammation. So everything I do focuses on gut health. We're healing the gut. We're reducing inflammation. So I don't do a lot of testing because one of my mentor professors was like, okay, so if we ran the tests, what would you do differently with your protocol than what you're planning to do? And I'm like, nothing. And they're like, precisely. So do what you're going to do. And if that doesn't work, then you maybe want to run some testing. But let's start here first and see what happens. And it's just pretty amazing. But I will admit that most of my clients are healthy. They are women in their middle life. So, you know, late 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, basically are at a point where they realize this is, it's all about them now. The kids are grown up, their husband's great, but self-sufficient, you know, whatever their family situation is, they can actually focus on who they are. And they're back to going, no, no, I want to be amazing. I want to feel great. And yeah, I have some weight to lose. And I sort of feel like I'm going in the wrong direction, but I can turn this bus around. So those are the people that tend to come to me and work with me. And I'm like, yeah, let's turn the bus around for sure. And so back to my spectrum of dietary principles. Yeah, I love keto for some people. Love low carb for most women who are over 40. Does it have to be super extreme? No. Do I not eat vegetables? No, I love vegetables. Do I eat sweet potato? Yeah, I love sweet potato. You know, do I eat quinoa occasionally? Sure. You know, it just depends on where you are and what your goals are. And certainly the more you get to sort of maintenance where you're like happy with your weight, your energy's really good, you're sleeping well, then I want you to sort of expand a little bit more on those healthy whole carbohydrates. Let's look, bring them in. Let's go more paleo, you know, than keto. We're moving sort of toward that paleo ancestral diet. So yeah, some people, you know, people who are pre-diabetic or had type two diabetes, they may never be able to really expand their carbohydrate load. But again, it doesn't have to be super strict all the time. I love an 80, 20, 11, 90, 10 rule, especially if you're trying to hit your goal. But yeah, I'm a, I, and I will say, I am a big proponent of animal protein. So <laughs> I am, I push protein, animal protein in particular. So I don't typically work with vegetarian and vegans, not because there's anything wrong with that. It's just not my specialty. And there are other people out there who do it way better than I do. And for women, I am pushing the protein. So more than anything, I push protein and then carbohydrates and fats are just levers that we play with. Uh, we're very much aligned on all of that. I'm curious how you work with your clients in helping them redefine what a diet is, because diet culture 
and losing weight and cutting out calories and using any diet possible that's out there, including just, you know, drinking celery juice all day long, whatever you can get your hands on to get to that outcome, which is usually weight loss has really turned a lot of people down the wrong path. Um, they're upside down and it's really hard to untangle that concept yeah. from our minds and shift into what we're eating as a therapeutic way right. to heal the body. And then yeah. I loved how you put it where once they are at maintenance, they're feeling their best, they're sleeping well, they're living their best life, um, mentally, physically, all the things. And then you look to expand, which I love because it's not about cutting out, cutting out, cutting out and no restriction at all. So how do you, um, how do you work with your clients in that way? Well, so interesting about the calories. Cause everyone's like, well, how many calories should I eat? And I'm like, well, I don't actually look at calories. <laughs> I'm like, I need you to eat enough so that you don't feel hungry. And I'm not sure where the calories are going to fall for you, but we're going to follow the hunger. So that's what we start. So the only time I really like to dig into calories is when I think they're not eating enough. But back to your question about how do we untangle this diet and and I try to distinguish between diet and dieting. So how do we untangle the dieting mentality? Mm. And it's, again, you bring it, it's, you just keep things simple. First question. So what are you doing? What have you done? Is it working? No. Okay. So we're going to do it differently, right? Why not? Because it's not working, right? What you're doing isn't working. So let's try this instead. And so that's number one. Let's just super simple. Is it working? No. Okay. Then we're going to do something else. And people are usually okay with that because my big thing is I don't want you to be hungry. I don't like to be hungry. I mean, I like you to be able to tap into your hunger. I want you to understand what hunger feels like because it's okay to be hungry. I don't want you to force that hunger to have this chronic sense of deprivation and hunger. That is not okay. But yeah, letting yourself wait until you actually get really hungry to eat. That's a good thing. We should all be able to do that. And people are very afraid of being hungry. So I would, my goal for my clients is let's figure out how much and what you need to eat to feel satisfied for four, even five hours without your body being like, hello, we need to eat again. So, and it's a process. Like, I'm not going to take somebody who eats every hour and a half and be like, okay, you can't eat for four hours. No. We're just going to start changing what they're eating so they can say, oh my gosh, I can't believe how full I, I am or I was based on what they ate. So yeah, we are shifting away from the cereal and the things that are, they're going to make them hungry in an hour and a half to, yeah, I'm going to ha have some bacon and eggs and let, tell me how you feel. Let throw a half an avocado in there too, if you're still hungry. Uh, I always tell people, if you have a hamburger for dinner, we're not having a bun. So make it a fancy hamburger, throw tomato, throw a fried egg, throw avocado, onion on that hamburger. And then guess what? If you're still hungry, have another hamburger. You can have more broccoli, but have another hamburger. And then you can have a little more broccoli if you want, but you know, prioritize the protein. I think that's one of the biggest things is when they just all of a sudden realize they're not hungry. They're like, whoa, I'm not hungry. I'm like, I know great, right? All of a sudden you just got so much more time in your day. Um, but I don't know. Now I'm confused if I even answered your question. <laughs> no, you did. You did. You really do uh, help people. I like how you put the redefining diet versus dieting yeah. um, and removing that dieting mentality, which has definitely been inflicted upon all of us. <laughs> and that person, right? The person that's chasing the next bright, shiny thing that they're very attached to their goal. They are, it means something to them. It's all about them. If they don't succeed, then it's telling the world bad things about them. They're very attached. And as soon as they see something that's not seemingly working, they're like, okay, okay, well, I need to shift it. I need to change it up, you know, cause it's so, yeah. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that you said earlier was teaching people to reconnect to their body mm. and learning to listen to it. What does it mean to you to reconnect to your body or maybe connect to it for the first time? Right. Well, this is like probably one of the more challenging things is getting people to actually, while I like people to eat, you know, three meals a day, maybe even just two meals a day, depending on how much they're eating and how full they feel between meals. Sometimes I have to start people and we do more mini meals, even though I don't love that, but they are so disconnected from their hunger cues. They don't actually never feel hungry. 
when in fact, what it is, is they're always hungry, but they don't recognize that anymore. So I will start them and we'll sort of create a pattern so that their body starts to trust that it's going to get fed. And then once it starts to trust that it's going to be fed at certain times, it'll start going, Hey, you know, you'll go, Ooh, I'm hungry. And you can look at your watch and be like, Oh, it's noon. I always eat at noon. So you're starting to train your body to go, oh, yes, you can ask me for food and I will feed you at these times. So once that starts happening and they are starting to recognize, oh, I do feel hungry. And once you understand when you feel hungry, you can understand when you don't feel hungry. Then we can start to shift a little bit more and start, you know, managing those meals so that maybe you feel fuller for longer. And then we can start to stretch that time out in between feedings because I'm not a big fan of constant feeding. I do ascribe to this whole idea of insulin and keeping your insulin sort of low with, you know, uh, peaks when you eat, but that's it is healthy for the body. So I'm all about sort of metabolic balance. So making sure you manage that insulin. So eating every, you know, constantly, you're just kind of, you're always spiking your insulin. So we want to try to keep that to more of a two or three times a day kind of thing. So that's kind of the big thing is trying to figure out how do I get them reconnected with understanding when they're hungry so they know they need to eat because your body has to start to trust you, this sort of fight or flight internal stress to calm down. Because if you're not feeding your body, your body thinks it's, you know, it's going into like survival mode. And so, yep. and then you have this chronic cortisol level, the fight or flight, nothing good is going to happen when that cortisol is high. And this brings me back to exercise. This is so interesting that, that we went this way, but I don't necessarily do exercise as a phase one with any of my clients. They're yeah. Tell me about how you redefine movement versus exercise. I love this. Right. So movement is different than exercise. So exercise is a stressor and it's a good stressor. If you're not already under a lot of stress, then exercise is awesome. You need that stress because that's how you grow. That's how you get more resilient. You stress your body and it heals and grows. But if you're already under a lot of stress, like you have chronic high cortisol, you have a lot of work stress, family stress, you know, environmental stressors, whatever it is, adding exercise on top of that can actually make things worse. So I've actually had people who just were exercising like crazy, like just constantly and they're gaining weight. And I finally was like, you are not allowed to exercise for a whole month. And they would lose weight. And they were like, I don't understand. Everything calmed down. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want you to get outside and walk. If you can only go to the mailbox, you go to the mailbox. If you can walk to your neighbor's mailbox, then you walk to your neighbor's mailbox. But what you can do without creating excess stress, movement is going to be so important. And then once their body starts trusting them again, and once their food and their metabolic hormones get in line and their hunger cues come back and everything's sort of working properly and their internal stress, their cortisol is calming down, their body's going to ask them to move more. They will actually get antsy. It won't feel comfortable just sitting on the couch. You feel like you have to get up and do something. And I'm like, boom, now we're going to add some exercise. Now your body's ready. It's looking for more. So I usually wait for them to say, yeah, no, I, I think I want to start some, you know, whatever. It's really interesting. That is so cool. Yeah. I totally feel my body asking me to exercise, to move. Um, I like to use the term movement instead of exercise because people think of exercise. They have this vision in their head that it needs to be a certain amount of time. It needs to involve a certain thing. You have to wear a certain outfit and you have to get um, super sweaty. Right. You have to get exactly. Yeah. You have to get your heart rate up really high has to be intense. And that's not what it's about. It's about moving. It's about allowing your body to do what it's meant to do. Right. And your body's sending you messages all the time, even when they're uncomfortable messages mm -hmm. um, and learning to listen, learning to interpret what those mean. Um, and then giving your body the need that it's asking for, and therefore you're developing. I love how you brought it back to trust because I think that's really what is a lot about the foundation of this, which is allowing your mind to start to trust your body again. Yeah. Um, and and building that and cultivating that. It's not something that happens overnight or within a week, but it's a beautiful process. And I think for a lot of us, we are learning to do that for the first time. Yeah. 
it's, you know, the mobility or the movement thing is so interesting because again, my clients are older women typically, and I've had, um, mobility is actually super important to them. Like they want to travel. Some of them are having trouble just going up and down the stairs. Like I said, getting out of bed and their feet hurting and having a hard time moving in the morning. Um, one woman was so interesting. She is in her mid late fifties and she's going to retire soon. Super young. You know, her brain is all about go, 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 but her body was all about, yeah, no, 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 no. And she's like, I need my brain and my body to match. She's like, I want to go, go, go. And my body's not there. So this idea of mobility is so important and using exercise to maintain mobility as we age, I think is so crucial. You know, you want to be able to do what you want to do. You don't want to have somebody taking care of you. So maintaining bone strength, muscle strength. Yeah, it's so important. So amazing how personal motivators to move change depending on where you are at in life. And since you work with such a wide spectrum of women and you yourself have moved throughout many different times of your own life, I'm curious what do you see like the evolution being from the reason that gets people off the couch and actually doing something to move from your thirties to your forties, to your fifties beyond? That is such a good question. So my mother-in-law is going to be 89 in a month. She is a world traveler. This woman travels more than anyone I've ever met. And until COVID, she was probably doing two international trips a year. Um, and I think she's got an, her first trip coming up, I think this fall since COVID. So after now, so she's great. She's amazing. Um, and then my mom is turning 87 or 80, 87, I think. Both of them to this, this year have talked to me about this sense of balance, this lack of balance that they're feeling and how it's inhibiting them because they're kind of nervous to do things because they're not feeling steady. And I think that's coming from both of them. As it turns out, both of them weren't drinking enough fluids. So now having them drinking more fluids and managing their electrolytes is helping a lot with this sort of balance stuff. But isn't that interesting? So as you age, so these women are in their eight, late eighties now, and they're busy and they're starting to feel like they can't be as busy as they want to be because they are unsure of if they're going to fall down. And that to me is so scary, right? That's not a place I want to get to. And um, my mother-in-law has always sort of been active. She's always been a mover. She walks, 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 and, you know, puts in a three to five miles a day, which she hadn't done over the last year. My mom has never been an exerciser. She's a walker as well, but not even as much as my mother-in-law. And my mom, I think at 85, my mom started working with a trainer and started lifting weights. That's because amazing. Again, I know, right? Because she was worried about her balance and her strength. Um, but I don't know. So I'm not sure how it shifts, but let's say, so I had that client in her late fifties who was just like, I want to travel. I want to get going. And my body's not ready to do that. So her motivation was, I need to lose the weight. I need to get strong so that I can, you know, do what I want to do. And my mother-in-law and my mom are in their late eighties and they're all about being independent and being able to do what they need to do and moving. And they both live alone. So for them, it's really important to be able to maintain that balance and strength so they can continue to have this independence. And then I think as for younger women, you know, forties going into your fifties, I think we want to look good. Not only do we want to be strong, but you, you get to this point where you're just like, you know what? I'm still feminine. I'm still sexy. I am still relevant. And you want to feel and look the way you think of yourself to some degree. I think, you know, I can't speak for anybody but myself, but I know I want to look good. Um, I like it when my husband tells me that I look hot and that, you know, whatever. I love that. And you do. And you do. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and I, thank you. I'm trying hard. Look again, take another look, you know, <laughs> but yeah, so that's important to me. And, and, you know, my daughter is now a mom of two and she's 28 and my son will be turning 25. And, you know, they have been so generous and said to me, mom, we just see you do everything you decide you want to do. We see you do it. And I think that's why I do what I want to do. And I make sure that if I have a goal, I'm going to achieve that goal. And I never thought of myself as that person. 
but I love that they see me that way. And I'm like, That's you know so what? Special. Yeah. And I'm just going to make that. I'm just, that is just going to be who I'm going to be. And I'm going to continue to do it. And I'm just going to continue to figure stuff out and make it. Wow. Work. What an incredible thing to have your own child say to you like that's the impression that they get from I know because I look at my daughter and I'm like she's amazing I can't this woman I can't even imagine what's going to be going on in her life as watching her grow and she's like well mom I do what I do because I watch you do what you do and I was like whoa (laughs) it's like that is like what a kind thing to say wow that's amazing yeah I feel like just based on what you shared it comes down to your desire to have a great quality of life and be Mm -hmm. able to experience life in the ways that fill you up, that fill your soul. I think it's incredible that your mother and your mother-in-law are both nearing their late eighties and they are not stopping. Like they don't want to stop anytime soon. They're making us a little nervous. (laughs) (laughs) They're living their best lives. They're living it up. Um, And yeah, someone who loves to travel, someone who loves to be active Um, anything that's going to prevent you from doing that, you definitely want to do as much as you can to keep yourself feeling as best you can physically, mobility wise, mentally, all those things. And so, yeah, the reasons why I always like to tell people, you know, you're going to hear people say the same thing, like eat more fruits and vegetables, eat good whole foods, exercise at the end of the day, it's all the same. It's all the same information, but the reason why you're doing it, yes, you have to tap into that. Do you, what do you think? I, I mean, I firmly believe that age is just a number. Oh like, yeah. It is a number and you just, you gotta like, I mean, it's, being somebody who's now in my, it doesn't mean anything. feel better than I did in my late thirties. I can't think anything other than that. I'm like, if I was me now, when I was in my late thirties, yes, I would have been so psyched. <laughs> way, way happier than I was then. It's so interesting. My husband's 10 years older than I am. And I always say, I think you're a vampire because he's like, still has black hair and he's, you know, he's totally fit and he's just, you know, still this endurance cyclist. And I'm just like, how am I going to keep up with you? You know, that's my goal. I'm trying to keep up with him. That's awesome. You guys sound like an incredible family, but yeah, I know people my age in their early thirties who feel like they're 10, 15 years older, the way their body aches, the way, what they're capable of. And it's limiting. It's limiting their experience of their life, their moments. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even allow them to fully like engage or have the full capacity to experience um, the spectrum of emotion, joy, connectivity. And it, it is, it's super limiting. But I, I like to tell people, you know, our words are so powerful. Yeah. Even saying, oh, my body aches because I'm getting old, like as a joke, Mm. but even that holds Mm -mm. power because you're telling yourself, oh, I can't do anything about this Mm because, you know, getting older is inevitable, but what you make that mean is totally a belief and you can change that. So this whole, I'm a big believer in this idea of the think, feel, act cycle. And you basically get to believe what you want to believe. You get to think It's really another one of those things that blows your mind when you sit with it for a second. You get to think what you want to think. It's all you. Nobody else can tell you what to think. You get to decide what you think, what you believe, and then how those things make you feel. And then based on how you feel, you're going to take certain actions. And you have total control over that. And yeah, not every day is rainbows and butterflies, but it's okay because there's also that yin and yang. You can't know rainbows and butterflies if you don't know cloudy and rainy. You know, you need to be able to know the difference, but it's, um, I forget what I was going to say, but yeah. So it's it's amazing. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I have, I've had patients from the doctor that's referred over to me. And I remember one specifically was a woman in her late thirties and she was a couple little kids. And she said, listen, she goes, I know my best years are behind me. I know it's not going to get any better but I just don't want it to get worse. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was just, I was just floored. She was like, you know, I don't know, 36. I'm like, what do you mean your best years are behind you? I said, so that was, we had to have a big discussion right there. But I thought that broke my heart and that's what I don't want to see. So that's why I do what I do. I don't want women coming out of this sort of family situation where they've been this nurturer, caregiver their whole life And now they basically feel like they're just sent out to pasture. They're just, they're done. I'm like, no, 
You have just entered the best years of your life. You get it all to yourself. It's all you right now. And I want them to go into that feeling like, yes, it's all about me. That's the best time. You know, all this responsibility that you've worked on your whole life and raised these great kids and this great family and done all the things you needed to do, you did it. And now it's all about you again and just enjoy and dive in. I love that so much. I, it's changing the perspective of, of what the next phase of your life looks like. Oh yeah. And not subscribing to, yeah, like what that lady said, the best years of my life are behind me, not subscribing to that at all. If you could flip that on its head, right? Like the opposite of that, what would you say? I would say, no, the, I, to me, it's the best years are ahead of you. Think at all, you know, at this point, people are generally coming to their, they have some disposable income. They've worked really hard. Their kids are grown up and independent. Um, you're at this place where it's all about, oh my gosh, now I get to really play, you know, and if I'm going to play, I need to feel good. You know, there's, you just, to me, it's just super fun. I mean, I'm lucky my kids actually live down the street, my daughter and my son-in-law and my grandkids. Oh, so, that's wonderful. Yeah, they come over, they swim in the pool. You know, I see them all the time, but then they go home, you know, like, bye-bye. And, you know, today, for example, I, I'll call and tell them, yeah, no dinner tonight. I'm tired, you know, whatever. And, and I know I just have the whole evening to myself. I don't have to worry about them dropping in, but it's re- it literally, I feel, so you're in your early thirties. I'm in my mid fifties and I'm looking at you going, you have so much fun that's going to be happening. And then you're going to get where I am and be like, oh my God, it's even better. It's like, this is even better, you know? So that's where I'm at. And that's where I like, I don't want people to miss this. I don't want them to think that it isn't better. It's like, it's so much better. You're like this. It's like you become this like adult teenager again. (laughs) I think we embarrass our kids all the time, but it's like, yeah, we don't care. Because we're also in our 50 or, you know, older. And I'm at this point where I'm like, yeah, I do what I like to do. As long as it's not hurting anybody else, I don't really care. So, so fun. So I love that. I want to wrap it up here. And I want to ask you, if you were to go back and give yourself advice in your 20s and early 30s before, you know, (sighs) you felt like you got run over um, by life, what would you tell yourself to maybe not have to go through that really hard time in order to keep you feeling your best and just kind of thriving throughout? You know, I think about this actually a lot. And I think there's a couple of things. First, I would just trust, say, trust yourself. Like, no, you know what feels good to you and you know what works for you. So stop listening to all the noise. Because I think that's kind of what I did. I was one of those people too that was like, oh, there's this diet and there's this thing and oh, I should do that and do this. It got me nowhere. It just messed with me. But if I had stuck to what I knew felt good to me, like eating protein has always felt really good to me. But I went through that phase where I was like, no, we should definitely eat more grains, more vegetables. You know, we should eat and less protein, just maybe some chicken here and there. And that did not work for me. And, and I just think, you know, trust yourself, be confident. I mean, I, I went through so many years of my life, just really worrying about what everyone else thought, what everyone else said. And I think that's why I feel so good now. Cause I'm just like, yeah, I don't care about that anymore. <laughs> and it led me down the wrong path. I didn't listen to my body. I didn't listen to what made me feel good. I just did what I thought I was supposed to do, which no, that didn't work. So listen to your body. Yeah. Tune out the noise. Tune out the noise. You know what works for you. We all do. But sometimes it's easier if we just ignore that because sometimes it can be hard, you know? Yeah. So tune out the noise. Don't care so much what everyone else thinks. And that's such a good place to end. Well, thank you so much for being here. And you're amazing. Like, thank you for bringing your energy, your light, your... Ah, this refreshing voice. Um, I hope that the people who are listening can really get a sense of that. I know that anybody who chooses to work with you is in amazing hands and is truly, truly lucky. So thank you so much, Amy. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure being here. And I love that you're doing what you're doing is promoting this exercise and getting people out there and letting them, you know, understand how important it is because it is. And it's that one thing that we need to carry through kind of forever. 
is that again, movement. So in whatever form works. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Where can people find you? So my website again is called the simplicity of wellness.com and make things simple. That's also my name on Instagram and my name on Facebook. And I think on Pinterest, I'm Amy White nutritionist, I believe on Pinterest, but yeah. And then I have a Facebook group that's called, what is I It's called healthy and health and your happy weight at any age. That's my Facebook group. So I have okay. a Facebook business page and a Facebook group. But um, if you are interested in my healthy you coaching, you go to my website, the simplicity of well, the simplicity of wellness.com. I say that really fast. And then it's like, what did you say? Um, and it right on the front page, it kind of talks about that. And then if you go to my about page, it talks a little bit more about me, but you can jump on a call. So there's a button. So you can just, you know, set a time and jump on a free call with me. So we can talk about where are you on the spectrum of health? Where are you on the dietary principles spectrum? You know, what do you want? You know, how do we get there? That's kind of what we do. Incredible. Well, thank you so much. I'll put all of the links in the show notes so people can find them easily. Thank you. And thank you so much for doing this. Um, I look forward to talking with you again. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find everything about Amy and where to connect with her directly in the show notes below. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please email me at wakeupyourwarriorpodcast at gmail.com. I'm looking to connect with anyone who wants to share their story of how exercise and movement has impacted their mental health, and also professional experts who can speak to the neuroscience behind why exercise has such a profound impact on depression and anxiety, and also explain what's happening in the body and brain. I so appreciate your support, and I will see you next Monday for a brand new episode. Do not forget, who are you, warrior? Warrior.